and welcome to another Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine, featuring interesting, inspiring, educational, and entertaining stories, discussions, and interviews of purpose, with purpose, on purpose. Hello everybody, this is J.W. Unitarian with On Purpose Magazine, and uh, it's an upbeat day. We have uh, Chelly Campbell with us. How are you doing, Chelly? I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Uh, well, everybody, every day is an upbeat day, but with Chelly, it's even more. It's, uh, you know, every, when, every time I get you on the phone, Chelly, you're like a can of instant sunshine. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. I always enjoy talking to you. I, I haven't known you very long, but uh, I always enjoy speaking. Um, got you on here today because, well, because you're Chelly Campbell, for God's sakes. <laughs> I'm the only Chelly Campbell I know. The only one you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. For everybody who doesn't know Chelly, Chelly Campbell is the creator of the popular financial stress reduction workshops, uh, which he's been teaching uh, since 1990 and now licenses trainers to teach the program. She's the author. I love authors. She's the author of The Wealthy Spirit and Zero to Zillionaire. Uh, she's one of Marshy Smiroff's Happy 100. Well, you know what? You're one of my top five happy people. Oh, thank you. And uh, Marshy Smirnoff, you were, you were one of her Happy 100 in her New York Times bestseller, Happy for No Reason. Um, You've contributed stories to Jack Canfield's recent book, You've Got to Read This Book, and uh, Life Lesson, Life, easy for me to say, Life Lessons from Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh, she's prominently quoted uh, as a financial expert in the Los Angeles Times, Pink, Good Housekeeping, Lifetime, Essence, Women's World, and more than 50 other popular books. Um, your resume is actually, this is a small resume, your resume is huge. Oh, Crazy thank huge. you. Um, you're, I, I, I can't even read all this stuff. It's like, uh, you know, I mean, you've done so much. You're just, I mean, you're just a little powerhouse out there. Thanks, J.W., I appreciate your saying that, but I have to tell you a funny thing. Oh, All go ahead. the time I was starting my business and working hard to get noticed and build my my support group and my client list and all of that, Right. I listened to other speakers who were very popular and getting famous and had huge resumes, and I would listen and I would go, gosh, how did they ever get all of that done? And now I know if you get old. <laughs> 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 you know, it's cumulative over time. There you go. It was, uh, you, met, you know who Jay Abraham is, right? Mm-hmm. He once told me, because he was asking me, what, what, what do I do? And I said, well, I throw a bunch of poop up on the wall to see what sticks. <laughs> and he grimaced at me and went, what? And I, said, I told him, I said, you know, I always wanted to be one of those guys when you went into their office, they had all those awards on their wall from all the great things that they've done through their life. And uh, I said, but I never have, you know, I'm always, you know, I've got 10 different uh, balls up in the air and I'm running around. And then he goes, you're crazy. He says, stop, stop the insanity. You guys, what you need to do is one thing at a time. And over time, you will accomplish all those things. Have you found that to be true? Yes, and I remember Mark Victor Hansen in a seminar that I took years ago saying, grow rich in a niche, pick your little spot, your thing that you do, do it full out, do it all the time, let everybody know you for that. 
Like I see a lot of coaches and seminar leaders out there having a zillion different topics, and then you never know what when you think of them what their thing is. My thing is financial <laughs> stress reduction. I treat money disorders, bending bulimia, and income anorexia. I've been teaching the same eight-week program for 22 years, and it's still working for people. <laughs> yeah, good, good information never changes, right? It's true, and I will tell you that pretty much all the self-help books out there can be boiled down to a couple of things. Think positive, take positive action, have a goal, keep working towards your goal. Um, don't get stopped by the obstacles or the downtimes. Keep on keeping on. Seek balance and enlightenment and have a good time along the way. And that's wow. it. And I want to give everybody this one thing that just came up for me right now, which is the secret to life is being happy. And happiness is not in the award on the wall. Happiness is not in standing in front of the group collecting your Oscar, you know. What happens to the actors who collect their Oscar? I mean, it's been a goal forever, and they're so happy, and they come up and they say thank you to everybody they knew, and then they get off the stage. It lasts about 20 seconds. And then the next day, you know what they want? They want another part in another movie so they can do it all again. Right. So goals aren't about getting them. They're about making today happy, working towards it. And there's a lot more of those days. Well, that kind of hits the nose on the head. You know, I notice, uh, or the thing on the head, and that is, um, and it's what I always notice through everything I've ever read, and that is, you know, making the now what counts and being happy in the now. You know, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was having a concern at work, and I was mm -hmm. driving uh, to a meeting. And on the way, I'm driving through on Sunset Boulevard in West L.A., and I'm going to Pacific Palisades. The mm. sun is shining. I can see the ocean. There are palm trees, the blue sky. And I'm worrying about this little problem at work that's been bugging me. And I suddenly became conscious of what I was doing. And I said, Shelly, forget that. If that just totally blows up, it doesn't even matter. Look at your life. You're living in paradise. There are a billion people on the planet who wish they were you. So give it up. Enjoy. Revel in the happiness that you have today. Do you know we're richer than kings and queens of 200 years ago? We have hot and cold running water. We have uh, sanitation. We have incredible medicine. We, we live so much longer. And, and we have a fabulous society where people live and work and prosper and help each other out. I mean, we are so blessed, and we need to be in thank you and uh, positiveness, happiness every day just because of all that we've got. And if you just look at all that you've got instead of the one little fly in the ointment, look at the ointment. The ointment's fabulous. 
<laughs> well, that's certainly the attitude of gratitude, right? Yes. Well, that's... I was brought up with that. Well, let's, let's, talk, about Shelley. Always... let's talk about Shelley Campbell. You know, sure. I mean, you've, you've written a couple books. You've done uh, uh, countless wonderful things. But let's, let's talk about Shelley growing up and, you know, what... Where did you start, and what got you on this path to begin with? Oh, really interesting. Well, first of all, I was a child of the um, 50s, grew up with uh, Father Knows Best and the Donna Reed Show, and life was happy. I had a functional family, and my mother raised us with playing the glad game. When we'd get disappointed or upset about something, she'd just say, there, there, dear. Okay, let's play the glad game, and we'd go, oh, Mom. She'd say... Yeah, what's still good in your life? And we would have to say, okay, well, Susie's still my best friend, and I got an A on the history test, and I didn't get the part I wanted in the school play, but I got a part, and some people didn't get anything. So, And our mood would shift just from refocusing onto what was working instead of what wasn't working. And that became a lifelong habit for me. So wow, that's, then, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. So I just learned to be happy and what was not to be happy about. They were small things. And everybody in life has winning stuff and losing stuff. Mm-hmm. And you've just got to understand losing is a part of the game. There isn't anybody who doesn't lose half of the time. Well, you know, let's, let's, like, let's, be fair to the audience, let's be fair to the audience because you, you are one of the happiest people I know. Um, and it always sounds good because we hear people, you know, gurus and thought leaders tell us, you just got to be happy and everything. Uh, I've had my depressing times. I'm guessing that you've had your downs. Um, tell me about one of the downs that you had and how you overcame that. How you... Oh, gosh. When you talk to me, you're not talking to somebody who's already always done everything right, who's just had the perfect life and no problems. I mean, here's one. I was a battered wife, okay, mm. early. Okay. had to get out of the hat. Then right. um, in, I owned a bookkeeping service. I was hired to manage it, became a partner, bought my partners out. I had 13 employees, a big business, but I had a problem. I had one client that was the major part of my business, 75% of my income. And nine months after I bought my partners out, that client left with two weeks' notice. And I went in the toilet financially. I mean, just like this recession hurt a lot of people, I just, I couldn't pay my bills. I had to fire ten people. um, And I borrowed a lot of money. A friend of mine handed me a book, How to Borrow $50,000 on Credit Cards. And I had golden (laughs) credit. So I borrowed a lot of money. Unfortunately, there wasn't a companion volume, How to Pay Off $50,000 Borrowed on Credit Card <laughs> at 19.8% interest. It just liked to kill me. And, yeah. and, and then the recession hit California right after that. I tried to unload my condo, but I owed 160000 on it, and they were selling the units in my building for 90000 that were just like mine. Wow. Sound familiar to anybody? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm teaching financial stress reduction because I have firsthand experience. So I, I eventually actually filed bankruptcy and lost my home to foreclosure. So I, I've had to struggle 
with having crashed and burned and lost everything and start over again and claw my way up. But I'm going to tell you, quite honestly, that that experience was the best thing that ever happened to me. Isn't that funny how that works out? Yes. And people always say that, and people who are in trouble go, I can't see how this would ever be the best thing for me. But listen, for many years I was an actress. I did musical comedies. I had a great time. Then I became a bookkeeper. Figure that out. I don't know. It's just what happened, you know, and I was having a good time, and I was enjoying my work, so I just went with it. Then um, after this happened where I lost everything, and I had put it together with working with my clients with money that there needed to be some training because nobody's taught in school how to master the money piece how to make right. money, how to negotiate a salary, how to save, how to invest. None of that's touched in school. So most people don't know. And I just had somehow a natural facility for being able to look at somebody's numbers and say, well, this is what you need to switch, and you need to charge more money here, and, and help them guide them towards more financial prosperity in a business. So... I started teaching the financial stress reduction workshop two years after I had lost this big client and was clawing my way back off. I hadn't filed bankruptcy yet, but then I started getting that signal that I just was never going to get past this debt that just kept ballooning and ballooning. And then my head bookkeeper decided to go into business for herself and took a bunch of the clients that I had with her because she was the one working on the account. It made sense. But now I couldn't pay my my minimum monthly payment with credit cards, and they're relentless. So I filed the bankruptcy. I'm still teaching. Listen to this. I own a bookkeeping service. Mm -hmm. I teach financial stress reduction workshops. I was president of the L.A. chapter of National Association of Women Business Owners. I was looking good, and I was filing bankruptcy. How humiliating is that? Oh, yeah. Okay, but now here's where it happened. Six months, I don't talk to anybody about it. I'm, I'm keeping this the big, dark secret. How guilty <laughs> do I feel? How like a fraud? Then one day in class, this young couple was talking about their business, and it just wasn't making it, and maybe they should file bankruptcy. And I made a suggestion, and the man turned to me and said, how would you know? You've never experienced anything like this. And I looked at him, and a chill went through my body from the very top of my head all the way to my toes. And I knew I had to speak up and tell the truth. Wow. And I did. I said, oh, yeah, well, you're completely wrong about that. I filed bankruptcy and lost my home to foreclosure six months ago. The entire room went and looked at me, and I explained it. I said what I was doing next, which is I was going to – there were certain bills that you don't get out of when you file bankruptcy, like taxes, IRS, you still owe. And then there were – you know, the Bank of America could get along without my money, but – the neighborhood office supply store couldn't, and my accountant, you know, the personal people that I knew, I just resolved right. after the bankruptcy that I was going to pay them off anyway. 
And every month I made a payment to all of those people and paid my bill. And I, after I shared about that in class, I had so many people call me privately after class to say, thank you so much for sharing that. I filed bankruptcy 10 years ago, and I've been ashamed of it ever since. You just gave me permission to move on. And wow. that's what mattered. And now I can teach from the perspective of, of there's nobody in my classes who are ever lower than I have been. <laughs> okay? So I Absolutely. just say, yeah, yeah, I've been there. This is what you do next. And well, you keep doing great. it until it works. Wow. I mean, that's a that's an incredible story. And so many. And what's so funny, like you said, so many people are going through that now. And mm -hmm. it's so sad that we feel so unprotected and so unsafe and so fearful that we um, – we, we don't feel we can divulge that information out because uh, I, I guess as you found out, uh, the fear is that everybody will know that you're a fraud, and then when you get it out there, you realize that everybody's in the <laughs> a lot of people are in the same boat, and they and they actually respect you more for being transparent. Yes, they do, and this is what authenticity is all about. It's right. not pretending to have all the answers. It's to say, you know, I've really suffered like a lot of people, and I've come up with some of the answers. And I've got a good program that will help. And if it doesn't help you, I give a money-back guarantee it will. So you get to the end of my class. You've got all of the recordings. You've got the workbook. You've got everything. And my personal attempt in the entire class, you get to the end of it, you're not better off, I'll give you a complete refund. And there aren't very many people who stand behind that. Wow. Let's talk about your books. I mean, sure. you, first of all, um, as you're teaching people, <clears throat> I'm guessing um, part of that was the first book, uh, The Wealthy Spirit. These are yes. daily affirmations for financial stress reduction. Um, I, I understand because you just said plan a, a plan, a goal is part of the the mix, and I think that came out. And we'll talk about that in your second book, pretty more of the more of the uh, foolproof steps to financial mm -hmm. peace of mind. But the first book. Affirmations, how important are they? Why did you write on affirmations first? Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I will. I learned a lot from studying positive thinking, the power of positive thinking, and I read it everybody. I'm a voracious reader. Mm -hmm. So what I saw was that having a positive mindset is just important to success. Look at all the Olympic athletes, you know. They're... They don't go to train and say, oh, I'm never going to run as fast as the fastest person. I might as well give it up. <laughs> you don't show up to work towards a goal if you don't believe you can get there. So you have to convince yourself. And positive thinking, what I see at work in my life, it's part of what makes me happy. I'm going to go to a networking meeting. I'm not going to go with the attitude, Oh, boy, another networking meeting is probably going to be chicken again. I hate chicken, and I don't know that anybody's going to like me there, and I don't, I'm don't. i not sure I'm going to get any business there. Okay, how am I going to walk into the room with that mindset? Because you're wearing your thinking, and it shows up in your body language and the look on your face. And if you're looking sour and tired, and I can tell who these people are instantly when I walk into a room. I say, hi, how are you? Oh, man, there was so much traffic on the freeway. 
You know, that's not a good beginning for a business relationship. Not with me, because I'm watching for that. I avoid those people. Well, is it, is it, does it seem to you that the preponderance of people are always looking for the dark cloud and the silver lining? Well, for some people, it's just fun to talk about. Misery loves company. They want to commiserate about it. Ain't it awful? Because right. it makes them feel better if somebody else is having a terrible time, too. Mm-hmm. And they feel a little offended sometimes by all the people that are doing well. And you'll see this often on the Internet. There'll be a blog post and somebody's chimes in cheerfully and somebody else is just ripping them apart. It's like a favorite occupation for the negative naysayers to go blog people to death. And I just, you know, I have to say I'm not going there. I want happy people. So this is where the affirmations come in. We have thousands of thoughts. They've said that the average person has 60,000 thoughts every day. That's a lot of thinking. And if you haven't taken a training about money or done affirmations about money, what do you think you're thinking about money? Same old tired stuff. Yeah, like what are the old cliches you heard, J.W.? Oh, yeah. Um, And wanting a lot of money is being greedy and... Uh, yeah. Money is the root of all evil. And... and money doesn't grow on trees. Right. Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. And so when people say money to you, you kind of cringe. And if you're in business, you want to charge the least amount of money so people don't argue with you about the price. I mean, there's all kinds of junk going on in your head. Mm-hmm. They've discovered that 95% of those thoughts that you're thinking every day are the same thoughts you had yesterday. Not a whole lot of new stuff going on. 80% of the thoughts most people are thinking are negative. That's where we need to switch it up. And that's why I train people to do positive affirmations about money. So anybody listening to us should let me give them a couple. People love to give me money. I love that one. People (laughs) love to give me money. All my clients praise me and pay me. Let's see, isn't that all you want from them? Oh, Shelly, you're so wonderful, and here's some money. Thank you. Good <laughs> on all levels. Then another one is something wonderful is happening to me today. I can feel it. I'm a money magnet. So you just talk yourself up into a positive energy. Then you go to your networking meeting or call your customer on the phone. Not before. Now, Some people get lost. This is all the law of attraction stuff. You know, the secret was the big, phenomenal bestseller. And people get lost and think, all I have to do is think the right thought, and then riches are going to rain down on me. And to those people, I just say, well, okay, tell me how many affirmations you'd have to do in front of a piano before you could play it. (laughs) You know. So there's the law of attraction, then there's the law of action. You have to actually do things. They read all the books, they say all the affirmations, but they don't apply. Yeah. They take the next class and the next class and the next class looking for the answer, the secret to making a lot of money. Well, let me give you the painful truth here. The painful truth that everyone is trying to avoid, or not everybody, but a lot of people are trying to avoid is that it takes some hard work. You have to show up. You have to learn stuff. And you have to be willing to be bad at things 
until you get good at them. Oh, that's important. Yeah. This is a big one. I've only recently been talking about this because I just identified it as something that is operating in so many people. It's, and I read silly. about it in a poker magazine. Poker is my hobby, and I, it's a money game, you know, and it's fun, and it's strategy, and it's reading people, and I like it. So well, no, I, uh, if you go, uh, if we go Google you, in when it comes to poker, you're uh, you you rank. I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. Uh, somebody oh, yeah. in one of my poker groups on Facebook, somebody made a video of women in poker celebrating the women's poker hall of fame, which I'm not in. I'm not that big yet. But mm-hmm. she showed pictures of a lot of women poker players, the famous ones first, and then lots of people that she knew towards the end. And my picture was in it. I was yeah. so excited. <laughs> let, let me ask you because you, you you brought it up, and you know, and that is what you're talking about more lately is the instant gratification issue that we all tend to work on. Everybody yeah. wants, everybody needs, or whatever, but we. We tend to work not organically on things because that takes too much time. We all are looking to win the lottery. Um, mm-hmm. we, we read a book and we expect to get rich from it, uh, like we said, without applying. And, and Is that what you're yeah. talking about? It's- well, what I was going to say about this from this poker magazine is that this man wrote an article about improving your poker game. Okay. He says the problem is that human beings want to keep practicing the things they're good at. Because they feel good when they do the good things. They, it makes them feel like they're a fabulous player. It's a positive reward system for them. But then if they work on what they're already good at, they can only improve their results incrementally very in a small proportion because they're already good at this thing. But maybe there's something else that they're not good at. Like they're not good at reading people or they're not good at uh, throwing cards away and not playing bad cards or they're not good at bluffing, whatever it is. If they would work on that, even though it doesn't feel good at the time because they know they're not good at it, if they work on improving that, they'll have huge payoffs in their results because they will be fixing something that is bad, so if they get good at it, it's like a huge shift. And that made so much sense to me. So the people, you know, often that I'm coaching or working with in my class, they love the class that is about what they know already. And then the one that isn't what they know, and I give them instructions and homework to go practice, they don't want to do it. And that's the problem. So that's why people will often take a lot of classes looking for the answer. It's because they've got a blind spot. They don't see what it is that they're bad at that they need to spend time on improving. And they have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to be bad at sales, for example. you got to be bad at it before you get good at it. I don't know right. why people think that you should just be able to open a business and be immediately successful, and you should be good at sales. People should just buy. can't tell you how many times I go to a networking group and watch everybody pass out their cards and brochures and go home and sit and wait for the phone to ring. <laughs> I figured out pretty quickly that nobody was calling. Everybody was waiting, so I was going to be the caller. So go. I started making calls to people. Hi, how are you? 
you know, tell me about you. I want to be able to refer you business. I made friends with everybody in the group. And you know what? Then they started referring me business. Or they'd say on the phone when I'm inquiring about them, they'll say, well, gee, tell me about that workshop you do. And I'll tell you there's a magic question. I'm going to give this to you. Okay. The magic question at this point, after you've established relationships, if they say, well, tell me about that workshop you do. If I, just, if I describe the workshop to them, that's it. The conversation's over. But if I say, well, if you were going to take a class called financial stress reduction, what would you want it to do for you? How would, how would you want to change money in your life? And they'll tell me. Because we have relationship. I have shown that I care about them. Now, you cannot fake this. You have to really care about people. So find the people at a networking group that you really like, that you're attracted to, that you think are your people, and call them. And then just get acquainted. Really enjoyed meeting you. How long have you been in California or wherever, whatever city you're in? Um, how long have you belonged to this group? Oh, you're new. What made you decide to come to the group? How long have you been a chiropractor? Gee, that's interesting. What attracted <laughs> you to that? What did you do before? Did you ever have a different career? Yeah, what made you just switch? I mean, you're just making a friend, right? It's first date question. Right. It's let, me, let me stop you there, Kelly, because yeah. this is an important point, and we could just move on and, and start talking about other stuff. But I want to kind of highlight it because sure. right now most of the classes out there, a lot of the classes I see, are about teaching people how to build relationship and community. And the reason yeah. for it is because the Internet has opened us up to be able to, to network with hundreds of thousands and even millions of people in some cases and building this huge, huge list. If you know yeah. anything about, you know, selling, you realize that the, the person with the 500 people who know and trust them and have a relationship with them you know, uh, that's a good list, whereas 100,000 people that don't know you and don't have any clue who you are, what you do, is not a great li list to market to. So yes. it really doesn't – people are building numbers, 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 and everybody says it's a big number game. But you hit the nail on the head when you – you just gave away what most people would pay big bucks to learn, and that is how to build a relationship with your list. Yes. This is a huge part of my success. And I am successful in my business. All I do is teach the eight-week financial stress reduction workshop four times a year. Okay, and I've made a hundred. I've made over a hundred thousand dollars a year since 1995. Where a lot of coaches, I think the. Statistic is 75% of coaches in America make less than thirty thousand dollars a year. Right. Well, you're in Southern well, California. Everybody is a life coach here. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many. If you throw a stone, you're going to hit a life coach in, in Southern California. Yeah, but look at the thing. I was a coach before there was such a category as coach or a training for coaches, all right? I was a seminar leader. That's what we called us then. Right. And what I saw was I didn't want to get, I didn't want to be Tony Robbins with a thousand people in the room and get them all rah-rah and all of that. I wanted to work with a small mastermind group size group, yeah. you know, like 10. Now I do it as a teleclass. Back in the day, I did it as a live event. But mm -hmm. now I do it as a teleclass. I can't handle more than 10 people because everybody shares every week. I get homework and reports from everybody every week because it's about implementation. 
And I tell everybody at the beginning, you're going to get stuck someplace when you hit your issue. You're going to hate this class. You're not going to come back because they <laughs> don't want to work on the thing that they're bad at, right? right? Same thing. So I just sign them to an agreement that they have to agree to complete the class. Wow. And, uh, or they don't get their money back, okay? <laughs> it's void. <laughs> so i got to hold their feet to the fire a little bit. But I will tell you that I've taken, you know, teleclass trainings. I have a Facebook group of people who give teleclasses, and they all run into this problem because people are sophisticated now. They know there's free teleclasses everywhere. So what happens is they go on the free teleclass and they listen, and they don't sign up to work with the coach on a paid basis a lot of the time. So I was seeing everybody struggle with that. And they were going, well, Shelly, how are you doing it? You're getting people into a high-price ticket program. I said, yeah, I'm a, I can't make a living doing $97 when I only have 10 people in the class, you know. Right. So it's a higher-ticket item. But I don't expect people to sign up just from hearing my voice for a while. I expect them to sign up if we have a conversation and I see that I can help them, I will tell them that. And if they see that that's true, they're going to sign up. Okay? Right. But I make calls after I have a free teleclass. I call everybody who is on the call. And I say, hi, thank you for being on the call. And please um, tell me what it is that you liked about the subject. What were you looking to get? Did you get that? Do you have any questions? Tell me about you and your business. Maybe I can give you some suggestions to help you right now here on the phone today. And then I do it. And then sometimes they go, wow, that's really helpful. You know, I was thinking maybe I should take your class. Well, let's talk about that. Then we talk about it. My job as a coach is to help them get to a place where they can say, yes, I want to do it, or no, I don't want to do it. It's not for me. Right. And then I'm happy with either answer. Yeah. Well, this is business 101. You know, yeah. I mean, when you're talking to somebody, <laughs> and what happens is most of us go out there thinking sales is about us barfing all our information up all over the person that can fog a mirror within 10 feet of us. Oh, yeah. And and that, you know, if you hit enough numbers that somebody will say yes. And the yeah. truth is, uh, you know, uh, I you need to listen. It's, it's about listening, and, and it's about asking the right, you know, asking good questions to get to elicit some some answers that they might not usually give you, and then and also asking for the sale. In other words, is this some, something you think you would like or not like? You know, let me know one way or another. Yeah, that's where people get hung up. They are they're really they great at uh, giving you all the technical stuff, and then uh, yeah. then they stop there and uh, they don't ask for the sale. Yeah, and here here's the problem: people don't ask for the sale. Sixty three percent of professional salespeople don't ask for the order. And then if they ask for the order, here's the big mistake I used to make. I'd ask, do they want to take a class? Yes. Do you want to come Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, Tuesday? Great. You're in. I'll send you all the information. Then I expect them to show up. Well, guess what? People get scared the closer class gets. Oh, and now I have to pay the money. Uh, Okay, I'm going to bail. And half of the class would bail before the class time. And I would go, what is wrong with people? They promised they were coming, and I would be mad. And then I saw the error of my ways. I didn't get them to commit. You commit when you pay money. You have to get at least a deposit right then when they say, yes, I want to buy it. Great. 
Would you like cash, check, or credit card? Do you want Visa or MasterCard? You know, get some money from them right now because now they're committed. And with technology, it's easier than ever because you have these, you can hook up a little thing to your cell phone and swipe their card right there in the parking lot. Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. But if you don't ask for the order and then you don't ask for the money, it is not a sale. And just expect a lot of those people to get scared, buyer's remorse, they find some other reason, oh, well, my mom got sick, so I'm going to need my money for that instead. Or, oh, I I have to go travel. Or, oh, I have to remodel my bathroom first. I mean, all kinds of stuff happens. Yeah, and you can't get mad at them. You know, they're just doing what people do. That's what, well, this is why a lot of people aren't successful. Because when they see what they want and they know they need to change, they drop out before doing the work. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I know my class has been successful for people is because it's not about the information. Information's all over the Internet. It's not about information. It's about implementation. And so I give people things to do, and they come back, and everybody reports every week on what they did and how it worked. And then I'm listening and writing things down because I'm on the phone with them, and and I'm adding up the clues. I really say I'm a financial intuitive at this point. (laughs) Really. I've just been working with people for so many years around their money issues. I know what the issues are, and people vocalize them. I can hear it in their voice. Mm -hmm. And I'll just say, okay, this is what's going on there. And they'll go, oh, how did you know that? Oh, you could fill up a notebook with mine, I'm sure. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh, let's, we all can. Yeah. Let, 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 let's talk about, um, um, well, let me just say, this is J.W. Nigerian uh, on Purpose Magazine. We're talking to Chelly Campbell at Chelly.com, C-H-E-L-L-I-E.com. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And uh, we're going to talk, talk about your course a little more later because I think that's important, especially as a telecourse. It's even easier than having to go somewhere. So let's talk about, because we talked about affirmations, but you wrote the yes. book Zero to Zillionaire, Eight Foolproof Steps to Financial Peace of Mind. Now, just the, you know, just the Zero to Zillionaire heading makes you want to pick that book up because it's just a cool, cool title. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, so the Eight Foolproof Steps to Financial Peace of Mind, is this where we get, is this where the rubber meets the road? Yeah. It's really, this is what you do, and then you do this, and then you do this, and then you do that. And it really was modeled after my workshop because my workshop is eight weeks long and we cover eight different kinds of segments. And I came up with the title Zero to Zillionaire because, you know, we're all on the scale somewhere between nothing and everything. So one is zero and the other is, you know, gazillionaire. So I just went zero to zillionaire. That's well, how you know, it I'd came up. Well, I'd go one up. step farther, Shelley. I think that, uh, and I've heard this many times and I think it's true, I've seen it also, and that is that people don't think big enough. Uh, if they think that, you know, uh, success to me is making $50,000 a year, then that's a, when they hit 50, that's about as far as they're going to go. Well, usually what sense? I found is when people hit 50, they'll go, hmm, well, 50 is pretty good, but, gee, I could do this, and I'll bet if I just did a little more of that and a little bit of this other thing, I could do 100. And then they make a new goal and do 100. So are you telling me, Charlie, that it's better to make a goal that you can hit rather than get yes. crazy? Okay, yes, because then you feel successful. 
And from okay. that feeling of success, you can make a bigger goal. See? And I you know like why I, wrote, I write about this in Zero to Zillionaire, that, mm-hmm. I mean, not all of these coaches are teaching you to be a millionaire coach, a multimillionaire coach, you know. Not everybody's going to be that or want to be that. Um, the blessings of smallness is a piece that I wrote. Because you know what? I only have to work with 80 to 100 people a year to make all the money that satisfies me and get a lot of time off to play and travel and do the things I want to do. I want to live my life. I don't have to have a jet in my backyard and have a mega mansion and be so famous and be Susie Orman. I mean, Mm -hmm. good for her, and she's done a lot of good in the world. I'm talking about totally different things than she talks about. She's a financial planner, i.e., for people who have a job and need to save some money for their retirement, which they are going to do. I'm working with people who are in love with their work, love their work, can't imagine ever not doing it because it's fun, but might like to slow down a little bit. Um, And some people, if you want to go be a Bazillionaire, go go for it. To me, zillionaire, the definition is not having the most money, but having the most fun and interesting life. To me, that's zillionaireness. And I wow. have that, and I construct my life so it suits me first. I teach my classes Monday night, Tuesday afternoon, and Wednesday night. And then the rest of the week, I can take off and go travel and play if I want. I like freedom. That's a big, big thing for me. So like when Oprah was doing her contest for her new cable show to have your own television talk show, everybody I knew was signing up for that. And everybody I knew emailed me, oh, Shelly, you'd be great. You should do this. I said, I don't want to have my own television talk show. (laughs) And they all went, why not? You'd be great. I go, I don't want it. I know I was in show business. I know what days on the set are like. It is a big board. It's 14-hour days. I'm, I don't want to do it. Right. And But I wrote the casting people, and I'll tell you what I said. I'm sure this stood out to them because I heard from them right away. I said, hi, regarding the Oprah Have Your Own Talk Show, first off, let me get this straight. I don't want to have my own talk show. But. I am a really fabulous guest, and I would love to be the guest of the person that you pick to have their own talk show. So let me tell you about me, and then I sent all my stuff, you know. And I heard from the casting director right away. She said, well, you're definitely on our list. <laughs> it's so fun. So know what you want and have no illusions about the cost for having what you want. Because everything has a price, and you got to be willing to pay it. And I see a lot of people, you know, movie stars and people like that, who get what their dream was, and they're famous, but the price is heavy, and they and they have nervous breakdowns, or they become drug addicts, or all kinds of stuff goes wrong. So can you be happy and really successful? Yes. But you have to design that carefully and know what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. And you better have a really good, strong no and boundaries. It takes some maturity to do it well. Boundaries, very important. Huge. And, again, I speak from experience because I used to have no boundaries. I was, uh, 
you know, like a people pleaser. I said yes to everybody. <laughs> big mistake. Oh, I've seen some of the, I've seen some big biggies in Hollywood uh, just get, to, you know, get depressed and destroyed by uh, trying to please everybody. Um, it's yeah, everybody crazy. does. It's yeah. impossible, first of all. You can't please everybody. And if you're always saying yes, my friend Rhonda Britton, who wrote Fearless Living and was a coach on the television show Starting Over, mm -hmm. um, she's really great. She said, if you don't have a no, your yes means nothing. Oh, wow. That's big. Don't you love that? Yes, that's huge. That's, okay, can I steal that? Yeah. Just <laughs> quote Rhonda. It's Rhonda Britton. There you if go. You don't have a no, your yes means nothing. Wow. And you know what? I fought for this in my life because I saw that I just was such a people pleaser. I tried to be nice to everybody. I tried to say yes to everybody. I thought that's what I was supposed to do and to be a good person. Right. And and then it was just getting me into all kinds of trouble. And I I made friends with a woman that just, she was worked with me. Her name was Jennifer Martin, and she was fabulous. And she had personality, but she was real clear. She liked that. She didn't like that. She wasn't afraid to say no. She wasn't afraid to to stand up strongly if she thought you did something wrong. Um, and I really, I, I hung around with her because I needed to learn how to do that. And so <laughs> here's an important book I recommend to anybody who's having trouble with no. I bought this book called When I Say No, I Feel Guilty. And when I was asked to write a chapter for Jack Canfield's book, you've got to read this book, 55 People Share the Story of the Book That Changed Their Life. That was the book I wrote about. When I say no, I feel guilty by, by Manuel Smith. And it was just a real training. You have a right to say no. You have a right not to explain why you're saying no. That's really key. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, all of these kinds of rules. And I just, wow, that was really important stuff. And then I had to practice and be aware that there were consequences, that sometimes people don't like it if you say no, and especially if they're used to getting yeses from you. Right. And But, boy, did I take back control over my life, because if you say yes to everybody, you're always at the effect of somebody else calling in and asking you to do stuff. Oh, so boy, it was that's a, a wonderful training. Yeah. Yes, that's a big one for me. I, I know that one well. Yeah. And the Internet kind of reads that, you know, because everybody's giving away everything free. And what everybody's finding out is that you can't give away free and then build big numbers for free and then say, okay, now that I have 100,000 people doing this for free, I'm going to start charging. Because 100,000 will turn to 200 tomorrow. Um, See, this because is of the, the fact big fallacy with yes. all the freebies. Now, a free demonstration or a free sample, like Mrs. Fields gave away cookies, you know, here's right. a free sample of a cookie, because if they liked it, then they go buy more of the next week. Mm -hmm. So, but with a training or a one-time only deal, you can't give away too much. And I see this over and over with coaches. You know, they have the free teleclass, and then they do the free series of three videos, and then it becomes eight videos, and then they're giving away so much content, they haven't trained people to pay for anything yet. 
So, you know, people advise me, oh, you got to have the funnel, you got to have the small ticket item and then the bigger ticket item and move into the big. You know what? I didn't want to do it because I don't want to do a small ticket item that doesn't work. I know what works. I know what works with financial stress reduction and, and getting to a place where you're creating your money and happy and making a living doing what you love. And it takes this eight-week program, and it takes personal attention from me, so I can't have very many people. And I want right. to make good money, so I charge $2,500. That's the way it is. Now, do I run specials and I give discounts? And Yeah, I do. But you know what? If, it's, if you change your money for the rest of your life, $2,500 is nothing, isn't it? <laughs> Not really. You know. You gotta compare apples to apples. And people are always going, oh, well, $2,500, that's a lot of money. Well, it is if you're comparing it to a $97 something or buying lunch tomorrow. But compare it to the cost of a MBA or a, getting a four-year college degree. That's a hell of a lot more expensive than $2,500. Well, you gotta ask, you know, what is financial freedom worth to you? Yeah. What, and what's what it going to take to get there? What, what else have you tried? <laughs> Did it work? If it worked, you wouldn't be talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hang, hang on one second. Hold on, Joey. Sure. I dropped the Hello. phone. Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. I dropped the phone for a second. It happened. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, we're not live, but that, if it was live, it would happen anyway. Yeah, it so, would, you know. You just don't, you can't let things bother you about stuff. Confidence comes from whatever happens is going to happen. Whatever is said is the right thing to be said today at this time for the people that are going to listen in. And uh, I used to worry, oh, what if I stutter or what if I forget something or what if I cough? And you know what? Nobody cares about that. They're listening for your information. They're looking for help or they wouldn't be listening to you. So your job is to give them the help, and they don't care how it comes, you know, if you stutter or whatever. If you give them a piece of information that works for them, they are forever in your debt, and they love it, and and so all that other stuff just doesn't matter. Well, that's a great lesson on its own because, um, you know, believe me, with all the uhs and does and stuttering that I do, I would never have done any interviews of anybody if, I waited till I could speak perfectly. Yeah. I've been speaking for 22 years. I still don't speak perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah. When I was in the Navy, the, the thing that got me through uh, was uh, somebody said to me once, uh, don't sweat, sweat the small stuff. Oh, don't yeah. Don't sweat the load. And I always remember that whenever something got a little overwhelming, don't sweat the load. Don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that that got me through. You know, let it go. Move yes. on. Yes. Richard Carlson wrote that book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, ah. and made a big, huge success out of it, became a national bestseller, it made his fortune. You know what? It was his 10th book. So sometimes wow. success doesn't happen the first time out of the gate. People got to remember that. Well, you, you're, you're a perfect uh, example of that. You, you started your classes in 1990, and you yeah. said you didn't have success till 1995. Yeah. Did I hear that right? Yes. 
Well, what happened was I was just teaching it on the side while I had my my bookkeeping service. Right. And then in 94 was when I went full-time with just the workshops. I sold the bookkeeping service. It was much smaller than this was after my big disaster. But I just knew. See, here's the, the adventure of life. You don't always know what's coming, and you don't always know when you're on your purpose and when you're not. I spent 16 years focused on acting, and then I became a bookkeeper. That made no sense to me. But when I started teaching financial stress reduction workshops, I went, oh, now my life made sense. I needed all those performing skills to be able to teach a workshop and make it interesting, and I needed all these financial skills because that's what people need to be taught. I was coming at the perfect time. When I started teaching these workshops, I was 42 years old. My first book, The Wealthy Spirit, was published in 2002 when I was 54 years old. Okay, now I'm 64. Zero to Zillionaire came out when I was 58. And I'm not done. i got more stuff to do. So <laughs> this is what the promise is to everybody. Life is long and your goals are going to get reached if you just keep working on them. Keep putting it out there, and they'll shift, and they'll change, and you'll grow with them, and you'll find other things, and you'll go, ooh, aha, this is what I meant to do. And maybe next year I'll find something new and fall into that and go, oh, my God, this is my life's purpose. You know what? Living your life today, that's your life's purpose. And your real purpose is to be happy and revel in the joy of it. If there's a God, a higher power, uh, a higher force in the universe, and I believe there is, mm -hmm. wouldn't that force want you to be happy and to enjoy the gifts and the pleasures of the world? I, uh, well, any God worth its salt would want that, I think. And so well, I want to believe you, in that one. You, that's why he gave you the choice. Yeah. And some people think this world is all a veil of tears and it's about sacrifice and unhappiness and getting through so that you can be happy later. Well, you know what? That's just not the one I want to believe in. There's lots of gods and belief systems on the planet. Pick one that makes you happy to believe in it. Well, and we've talked about this before the call, and that is, you know, uh, this whole... We've, it's the big lie that we've been taught, you know, it comes down generation after generation, that we have to get sick to make somebody else healthy, we have to get poor to make somebody else rich. And yeah. The, yeah. And the law of reciprocity says, no, both sides can win. Why does one side always have to lose? Yeah. Why is there adversarial business where somebody has to get screwed for somebody else to win? What's that about? I know. You come across that old dynamic, you know, it's just, uh, we're going to crush the competition. Uh, you know what? Coaches are wonderful about this. They don't want to crush the competition. They want to all play together. Let's all be rich. There's enough people for all of us to be rich. Let, let me ask you, because you, you're talking about your workshops, and it's based on, uh, as you said, from zero to zillionaire, the eight foolproof steps to financial peace of mind. Um, yes. So you have eight weeks. Uh, yes. Can you break down the eight weeks kind of like, like – um, Maybe what each week, the eight steps, and maybe what the takeaways are going to be for people? Yes. The class is, the first class is all about change your mind, change your money. And it's a training on the whole state of mind and being and actions that result from that. 
that you need in order to move forward. I send people home to do their financial autobiography, and the second class, everybody shares about what they learned from that, identifies obstacles and opportunities, and I'm giving feedback along the entire way. Then I send them home to start getting their financials together. Ooh, people start grimacing about that. Oh, they don't want to look at the numbers. I go, the numbers are there whether you look at them or not. The truth is the truth whether you look at it or not. You need to look at what you've been up to with your money. And then they come in with that, and we go over that homework and what they've learned. Then the next piece. This is the first time a lot of these people have even seen their numbers, right? Yeah. They kind of know, but they don't know. Unless you add it up, and there are certain ways you need to add it up so it gives you the picture of how you're generating income, how you're making it happen, and where you're spending the income you make, and perhaps overspending. Okay, so then the next class, third class, is budgeting. And I say, baby, you deserve getting everything. Okay, B-U-D-G-E-T. So we have a little reframe, and I teach people how to do budgeting in a user-friendly way that's simple, that takes five minutes a week, and you'll know where your money is all the time. The fourth class is managing money and time, and people work too hard and spend too many hours on their business doing administrivia and things that are easy because they're not the thing that makes the money, which is sales, okay? So I get them into the time management piece and how time is not money because Bill Gates has the same 24 hours as we do. So it's what you do with your time that matters. And I have a whole bunch of exercises about that. Then the fifth class is goal getting. Not setting them. Everybody talks about goal setting. I don't care about that. I care about getting them after you set them. <laughs> so it's all about how do you, what do you have to do to make that goal happen. There's action plans. I call it sending out ships because the merchants in London in the 1800s used to build the big tall masted merchant ships and uh-huh. send them out sailing across the seas to trade in foreign ports for gold and jewels and treasure. And then one day that ship would come sailing back to London Harbor and the merchant's fortune was made. And that's where the expression waiting for my ship to come in comes from. But some people are going down to the dock waiting for their ship to come in, but they didn't send any out. (laughs) So that's all about the action planning. Then the next class right after that is the breakdown class. This is number five for people who are keeping track? It's six now. Five is gold. Six is breakthrough, which is usually preceded by breakdown. Okay, (laughs) so when the going gets tough, how do you keep going? What are the obstacles that get in your way of success? What are the things that you don't want to do that you got to do? you got to work on the thing you're not good at, and you've got to keep going even when it's hard. So that's survive the storms in Zero to Zillionaire. Then class seven is all about living a happy life, the fulfilled life, the life of purpose, being true to yourself, true to others, and in the most highest purpose way, playing the glad game, making sure that you're living from your truth and the beauty of your experience and making sure that it is beautiful. 
and helping others become beautiful in their experience, too, is a big part of that. And then the last class is accomplishment, acknowledgement, testimonials, and um, reveling in the joy of completion. So we do a bunch of exercises around that, too. And there's a 200-page workbook with lots of exercises, and it's very intense. And I've had people double their incomes in eight weeks, over and over. Almost every class, somebody does that. Wow. Yeah. It's exciting. I love it. You know, it's funny because you can break any one of those down, and I and I go, oh, I could do that. I could do that better, and oh, I really need that. And uh-huh. one of my one of my favorites was, you know, you know about um, uh, the glad the glad game. You brought it up earlier, and I actually did an experiment in that years ago. I didn't call it the glad game. I didn't know what it was called, but me and uh, my roommate would come home from work every night and bitch and moan about the world and everything in it, and we go to bed all upset thinking about oh the next day and we'd get up thinking oh what a, uh, another day oh crap um so we just made a pact that instead of doing that negative thing that we were going to come home and think of positive stuff to talk about the first week neither of us would do anything but stare at each other thinking what the heck positive happened today we can talk about then slowly but surely okay I, the boss didn't yell at me i didn't get a flat you know hey there was no traffic today slowly but surely one little thing built on another little thing, and after a couple of weeks, we just couldn't stop talking about how much great stuff had happened. See? Go to bed all happy, wake up in the morning, another new day, and that alone can just change your life. It can turn it 180 degrees around, and I, you know, I know from experience that can happen. Yes. It's, it, it, you absolutely can. You have to be willing to do it. Even when it's tough, and let me tell you, one of the things that come up are, yeah, but, yeah, but that won't work for me because it doesn't happen in my business, or, yeah, but that won't work for me because I'm too old, or that won't work for me. I tried that once in 1982, and it didn't work, you know? (laughs) So everybody's always sitting with their objections. There's reasons why you're not as successful as you want to be right now, and you have reasons. And the answer is you can have the... You can have what it is you want, or you can have your reasons for not having it. Your choice. <laughs> Let's talk about number seven. I think was seven being on purpose? Seven was, yeah, living your purpose, living your dream, being happy, balance and perspective. This is big. First of all, this not... is On Purpose magazine. and oh, yeah. Uh, big, Hello. Big, we're big about purpose. And um, <laughs> tell me about tell me your feelings about esteemable acts and, and, and giving and, uh, you know, um, making somebody else outside your life more important than something bigger than yourself. Let's put it that way. You know what? If you want to be a happy person, you have to have that in your life. It's just that's the one central thing that I see that happy people have that other people are looking for. It's like people have said to me, well, Shelly, you could retire. You could just play poker. You could make money there. I said, Yeah, I could, but let me tell you, there's no giving back and being of service in poker. It's a game played (laughs) where, you know, the rule is get everybody's money. (laughs) Okay? So it's a fun game, and you all play, and really, you know, somebody told me early on, poker money knows no home. You just have custody (laughs) of it this week. When you play next week, somebody else gets custody of it. It's just the way it goes. But 
where I get really my true turn on and my happiness is when, like, one of my clients wrote on our Facebook group last night, this class is the best thing i ever done. And I, I just, I love that. When I help somebody make more money, when I help somebody get their dream, when I help somebody give up their shame and feel glad again about life, man, there's nothing makes me happier than that. What could be better? And you need to get turned on to that. And I know so many coaches who love that part. And then they have a hard time doing the things that get them there to that part, which is the marketing and selling of their business. They love coaching people. But I just tell them, you know, coaching, when you're selling, you're just coaching somebody to take the action to work with you so you can coach them to their better life. It's part of the coaching. There's nothing different about it. Sales is coaching. Right. It's talking people into their highest good. Well, let's, let's talk, we're coming up. We're up on the hour, so I I, I need to be um, respectful of your time. Um, but, I know. I always want to teach the whole eight weeks every I, time I talk to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's um, as the last takeaway, sales is always seems to be the crux of where, you know, everybody falls short and everybody has the biggest fear around it. And it's whether it be a self-esteem issue or a knowledge issue or whatever issue it is, what is one of the, what, what is one of the biggest lessons that you can, you can impart on somebody to get them over the, to start to get them over that hump? Okay. Let's say that when you coach somebody, you have a package that's like $1,500. Or you have a, a, a series of four sessions. Each one is $200, so it's $800. Whatever it is, let's say you want to make $8,000 a month and you've got an $800 package. That means you have to sell 10 $800 packages, right? Right. So now you need to keep track of how many people you talk to, have conversations with, that are prospects that are interested in maybe signing up for that $800. So you've got to be making a bunch of phone calls. Let's say it takes 10 phone calls to get one person to say yes and pay you $800. Then that means you have to make 100 phone calls to get eight. Right. Right? Or to get right. 10. 100 phone calls equals 10. So 80 phone calls would equal 8. Okay. So that's the math you got to do. And if you start making phone calls, write them down. And be religious about it. Say, I, I tell people, be willing to make 100 phone calls. And then just make them. And I don't care how they turn out. I don't care how you feel about it when you make them, but make them with the idea that you're going to make a new friend. You're going to build a business relationship. That's you're going to build a friendship. That's and important because, you know, Chelly, the phone becomes become a thousand-pound weight when they think that they're going to have to sell something on the call. If they're just calling to make a friend and say, hey, yeah. um, big difference. Anyway, go ahead. I'm yep. sorry. No, but that's huge. That is the point. You're not calling to make a sale. People think 
sales calls are pitches. We're right. Hi, did you read my brochure? Let me tell you why it would be great for you. How can you know it's great for them if you never ask them a question and you don't know who they are? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, really. Yeah, if, you're, if you call them up and they say, my life is wonderful, we're traveling the world, we're rich as heck and we're happy as can be, they might not be your prospect. But if you don't even ask them the question, you're going to waste the time you could be on another call. Yeah, absolutely. I want to know, you know, if this person is happy with everything they've got, they don't need me. If you're not happy with your results, then you do need me. That's it. <laughs> But I can't just ask that question cold when I call them up. Hi, right. are you getting everything you want in your life? Please. That's where people get offended because you right. have an established relationship. No, most of the time you can just say, how are you doing? They'll tell you. Yeah. So, you know, just call to find out how you're doing. Yeah. And, and then shut up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Listen, it's, sales is all about listening. It's not about <laughs> pitching. There's a point at which you pitch. I was reminded right. in class the other day, I was sharing this story of when I was an actress. You know, you're out looking for work. You're looking for every possible job you can get. And they were having a car show in L.A. in this uh, one car place. I think it was Osmobile. And they were looking for the models to stand by the car, you know, and attract people to come over and look by the car. Right, right. Well, I'm not, I'm cute, but I'm, I'm not the beautiful, tall, willowy model person at all. Uh, but I went on the audition, and I said some things that kind of had the guy interested. And so I was at the callbacks, and he interviewed me individually, and he said, you know, you really don't suit the type for this. You know, we're looking for those tall model people. I said, yes, I know, but take a chance on a different kind of thing. Because you have enough of those models, they'll get the people to come over and look at the car. But if you let me talk to them while they're looking at the car, I'll sell cars. And isn't that the point? Sold him. He hired me. And you know what? At the end of the car show, I had sold so many cars, he offered me a job selling cars. Shelly, you're, see, you're a delight. All you, have to do, all you have to do to get me to do something is tell me I can't do it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tell, oh, tell me I can't. Okay, thank you. Watch this. Shelly, <laughs> <laughs> you're a super delight. Like I said, a can of sunshine, instant sunshine. Um, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking to you. We're speaking to Shelly Campbell. And uh, you need to go check out her books. Go, you know, go to Amazon and check out her books. If you're looking, if you're on the page listening to this uh, um, audio right now, just go down the page. We're going to have links to her books, um, the, the Wealthy Spirit and Zero to Zillionaire. We'll also have links to her site, and that's just Chelly.com, C-H-E-L-L-I-E. And uh, you can uh, all the teleclass information is there, and a zillion other things. I mean, your your bio alone is a huge page. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you have all kinds of stuff going on. You're on TV all the time and, and in other magazines all the time. So yeah, it's not hard to find Shelly, for sure. And sh- and you're doing well with social media, should I say. You're, you're you know, for somebody, uh, it, you just said you were 64. People 64 yeah. just aren't doing stuff on social media, which is a shame. Thank God you're out there doing that. Well, you know what? It's I just saw I just saw the possibility. 
And I'm a young 64. I'm still out there pissing my stuff and helping people, and I love it. So this is where people are gathering, and I just said, well, this is just a networking group. And I made the transition to teleclasses because so many people were reading my books and calling me from all over that they wanted to take my eight-week workshop, but they couldn't come to L.A. for eight weeks. So now I have people on my calls from London and Hong Kong and Japan, in every state in the United States, and it's so exciting. So, of course, I had to learn how to do Internet marketing, and that's doing social media. So, you know what? You just say, I'm not good at this yet, but I'm going to get better. Well, I think you rock it, for sure. That's why why I I got a hold of you and I wanted to talk to you, because I see you out there rocking it every day, and and it's just so cool to watch you. Um, We can all learn so much from from your blunders, uh, essentially. <laughs> yeah, really. That's how I learned it. <laughs> Kelly, let me give you the last word. We're gonna, I'm going to let you go, but could you give me the last word, uh, what people need to know to get – if they're in a – right now, a lot of people are in that place that you know about, and that is they're, they're for, getting their home foreclosed, their business is getting ravaged, they're in a – they're spending 125% of what they make. Uh, they're dipping into their 401ks to pay the bills. Could you could you give us a word of uh, you know a last word of you know maybe some comfort for these people? Yes, there is a wonderful oh gosh I just got chills over it. There's a wonderful quote that I got when I was in the hardest place in my life, filing bankruptcy and losing my home. And it was from Mary Pickford, the silent movie actress. She said, if you have made mistakes, even serious ones, there is always another chance for you. Because what we call failure is not the falling down, but the staying down. So you can get up and rise again and be better off and more successful and happier than you've ever been. And what you have to do is start looking at that. Start looking for the good. Start affirming that you are better off. Every day and every way I'm getting better and better. More money is coming to me today. More money is coming to me today. People love to give me money. I have the job of my dreams, even if you don't have it yet. I have full clients in my business who love me and praise me and pay me. Even if you don't have it today, you have to affirm it today as though it were so. Do it and then take the action. Send out the ships. Go meet people. Pick up the phone. Call people. And you'll make it happen. There is a saving grace. There is a better day. And the universe intends you to have it. Start affirming that you have it. And thanking God and the universe and the powers that be and your higher power and your higher self. Bless every experience and say, it's getting better and I'm loving my life. You've just been listening to the amazing Chelly Campbell. Thank you so much, Chelly, for spending some time with us today. Um, everything Thank is so you helpful. for having me and letting me talk to people. I just love to talk if you haven't noticed. Well, it's our pleasure for sure. Everybody, this is Chelly Campbell uh, speaking with me, J.W. Nigerian on On Purpose Magazine. I want everybody to have a great day and an even better tomorrow. Thank you for listening to our Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine. 
You can find On Purpose Magazine at OnPurposeMagazine.com. On Purpose Magazine and JW On Purpose is the property and is a trademark of Meta Media Group, and this audio is copyright 2012, and all rights are reserved.